<clears throat> Chapter 8. Prison Religion. The experiences related in the last few chapters have personally erased any personal doubts. There's far more happening here than society's feeble attempts to rationalize away can accomplish. Naturally, these experiences have motivated me to deeply consider and pursue answers as to the real purpose of our existence. That analysis had led to discovering an unseen objective and direction that's far greater than I had ever imagined. Contributing immeasurably to such a conclusion was the Is That Him event. It left me looking very differently at my life and reason for existing. That and my exposure to so many miraculous life-saving transdimensional events has left me with one rather inescapable conclusion. There is a battle raging all around us involving not only me, but all humanity. Coming to the understanding unveiled in this book was a result of a lifelong love and search for more of what the Bible and I believe Christianity and or religion had to offer. As it turns out, the supposed answers the church had to offer proved to be little more than private interpretations and had very little to do with what the scriptures of the Bible actually teach. Of course, private interpretation is the heart of the proliferation and rise of the thousands of different Christian denominations. Each was birthed by a different interpretation of plain Bible scripture. Ironically, the very scriptures the churches claim to found their teachings upon forbids private interpretation. You find out in 2 Peter 1.20. Coming to recognize the fact that churches' teachings were merely private interpretations and not what the Bible actually teaches and pointing it out rendered me no longer being welcome. The not welcome mat was my thanks for attempting to bring it to their attention. Actually being excommunicated was the most traumatic event ever to occur in my life up to that time, considering the church had always been the center of my life. Beginning when very little, it was always my favorite place, my true love and life. The idea of ever leaving a church was absolutely unthinkable, even after learning the church's doctrines were based upon misinterpretations of Bible scripture. But how ironic, being told I was no longer welcome, though excruciatingly painful at the time, turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me instead. My overwhelming love for church had me very involved with such things as serving, leading music, even giving sermons and sermonettes, but my greatest love was still that of spiritual knowledge. That was my primary reason for loving church in the first place. But in my foolishness, thinking I could affect change led me to share some of those new Bible biblical insights with a few church friends. Well, change is exactly what happened, but it was certainly not the change I expected. It was much like the change we always are promised by our politicians. It seems change never turns out to be quite what we expect, does it? My being ushered out of my favorite place on earth all began with a very startling vision, the first one I remember ever having. It not only turned out to be the key to spiritual understanding, but also predicted my becoming anathema from my beloved church. The vision then found me standing in a huge open courtyard with very high white stucco walls that seemingly stretched infinitely into the horizon. While attempting to ascertain these strange surroundings, I became acutely aware of the mournful wails of people pleading, Who will let us out? How will we ever get out? Turning around then, my gaze came to rest upon a huge set of steel doors. Suddenly, it dawned on me. This was some sort of prison. Just then, a voice behind me told me a woman from our church that I knew had the key. Confused, I questioned the voice, asking, what do you mean she has the key? 
Looking up just then, the steel doors were now covered with what appeared to be Bible scriptures from Revelation 2 and 3. The top half was written in English and the bottom half in what looked to be Spanish. While standing there perplexed, the massive steel doors suddenly began opening. The opening of those prison doors was accompanied by the cheers of a sea of joyful voices. Considering such an astounding vision had never occurred to me before, I was hesitant to share it with anyone for fear of being labeled crazy and or insane. But my overwhelming need to understand what a strange and avid or vivid vision like that might mean meant talking to the woman mentioned in the vision. After all, the voice stated she had the key, which in my mind was also the key to understanding the vision. It's hard to know what the woman thought when I attempted to talk to her about it. Apparently, the concept of a person having an actual vision was apparently just a little too frightening or demonic for her. But I was desperate to know what the key she apparently had was. Maybe it was my approach or perceived intentions that made her uncomfortable, but rather than talking to me, she complained to our minister, telling him she didn't want me talking to her. If she actually told me she didn't want me talking to her, I would not have. But unfortunately, rather than getting us together to get to the bottom of things, I was unceremoniously excommunicated. As mentioned before, this was quite literally the worst thing to ever happen to me up until that time. After all, the idea of ever leaving my beloved church had never even occurred to me. It also never crossed my mind that organized religion could actually be a spiritual prison. Looking back, it's obvious that vision involved this woman was actually a prophecy, a prophecy of my being freed from the prison of organized religion. Looking in from the outside now, it's obvious Christianity as well as all other organized religions are really just prisons of church-manufactured traditional beliefs. These corporate religions are prisons in the sense their followers are not allowed to stray outside the corporate-defined confines of their authorized teachings and books. To go outside the bounds they set, in most cases, means a sentence of hell or something akin to the lake of fire. That said, one of the chief confines of the Christian prison, for instance, is the exclusive use of the authorized, that is by them, canon or collection of ancient writings called the Bible. Not being allowed to read unauthorized, again by them, writings, even ones once a part of the canon of sanctioned books, is coupled with the forced adhesion, adhe adherence to the denomination's particular private interpretations, that is, private interpretations of scriptures in their authorized books. This stance effectively allows the church to control what the congregation thinks and believes spiritually. My communication led me to investigate some of those formerly forbidden ancient writings, many of which were once included in the authorized canon of scripture books. Some of those now unauthorized books are even quoted by current authorized books in our Protestant Bibles. In all honesty, how can an authorized writing quote an unauthorized book without also authorizing it? These unauthorized books called Apocrypha have been extremely eye-opening with a prominent common theme. That common theme seems to be the personal relationship of human beings with spirit beings or transdimensional beings which presents the real problem. The people in these banned books didn't need priests or ministers to have contact or communications with the angels or the higher transdimensional beings. They could have their own personal relationships with them. 
It would seem, in order for the clergy to ascend to any level of control over the people, they needed to be rid of the idea that spiritual relationships could exist without them. After all, why do we need organized religion if we can have a direct relationship with the spirit or transdimensional realm? But, even without the apocryphal books, the Protestants removed from the King James is still beyond a shadow of a doubt the most shocking of books. Not only is it supposedly the most read book on the planet, but apparently the also the least understood. In fact, it tells us such unbelievable things such as immortality is something we can choose, that is, to not die. But aside from that astounding teaching, impossible but by human codes, impossible human codes are embedded in the original human Hebrew text, many of which are prophecies that only recently have come to fruition. Many of these are shocking names and dates of things occurring in our time, things absolutely impossible to have known back when the Bible was penned. The next chapter investigates some of these shocking codes.